I want to ask you, if you would, today to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter. We've been studying for a while, the, the last few months, and uh, through the book of Philippians, and we, we've been talking about the secrets of the joy of Christ, how to experience those. Folks, Christ has called us to be happy, happy, happy. As a matter of fact, within, within his Beatitudes, when he began to speak of, of those who are part of the kingdom of God, he said, you know, he said, he said, happy are those who are poor in spirit, happy are those who are mourned, happy of those who are, are merciful. And, and, and he continues on that that's what Christ desires. As a matter of fact, the, the fruit of the spirit that just, the fruit of, of who we are, love, joy, peace. I think it's so very interesting. And so the question is, do I experience the joy of Christ? Do I experience the happiness of Christ? But God wants that. Jesus says, I've come that they might have life. But he didn't stop there that they might have it more abundantly. Man, folks, we need, to, we need to experience everything that he's already given us. One of my favorite verses you've heard me over and over and over again say, what John writes, or, or Jesus Christ speaks of, of his fullness we've received. You know what that saying is when, when God gave us Jesus, he gave us everything. I mean, how much is full? The folks, is full. Of his fullness we've received in grace for grace. Not only has he given all of himself, but he's given us his grace after grace after grace after grace. How can you be happy about that? We're going to be finishing our, our study next week. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be looking at the same passage this week and next week because it really has two major truths intertwined within this passage. I'm going to be taking one of those truths today, and we're going to be speaking on that. And while well, I thank God for that song, you, you, I pray that you allow that song to ring through your ears in Christ alone because there's something you'll see within this passage that's going to be very important to you today. But if you would, Philippians, the fourth chapter, um, we're going to be looking at verse 10 and uh, through 13. If you found, found yourself there, say amen. amen. All right, let's look at this. Let's, let's get into this thing and um, let's get happy in Christ. Folks, let's all stand together as we read God's word together. I'm telling you, there's some truths I found. I, I, I've read this so many times. I've studied it. I've preached through it. But he showed me some things this week that I, I've never seen before. And you wonder, how did I miss that? But folks, that's why the Word of God is a living Word. It's a treasure, and the more you dig, the more that comes up. Folks, God's gold mine is not going to run out. The digger you deep, the more gold uh, dig, the, the more gold you're going to find. And um, that's why, you know, we have to keep digging, and we have to keep digging, and we have to keep digging. And think about it, it seems to get better all the time. I thought I hit a big vein this week. Let's read what, what the Apostle Paul writes in, in the fourth chapter, verse 10, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now at, at, and that now at the last your care of me, or how you've helped me out. And that's what we're going to be studying next week. We're going, to, we're going to talk about the joy of giving next week because here was a very poor community, but they always were very, very wealthy in their giving. And that's what we're going to be studying about last week, next week. He says, but I've rejoiced in the Lord greatly that that, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. He says, you just keep on giving. Wherein you were also careful, 
but you lacked opportunity. But then Paul writes in verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of want or need, for I've learned in whatsoever state I, I am therewith to be content. I know how to both be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hold on to that. Father, bless this reading, bless the, the, the preaching, bless the receiving of this word. God, change our lives today. Let us truly see us in Christ alone. In Christ's name, amen. Now, one thing about people, people are people, no matter where you go, people are people. The, the faces may change, the names may change, the culture may change. And folks, it doesn't matter throughout history. People are people. People's had the same problems. People's had the same situations within their lives. And, and probably as you begin to exam, examine people and you begin to examine the Word of God, I think that Paul was addressing the, one of the major issues that people have within their lives. And he was speaking to the, to the people back in um, uh, just the around the time of Christ. And, but folks, we deal with the same issues today. If Paul had to describe it, one person is, is called what Paul was speaking about in this passage today is it's a disease and it's called the destination disease. Now let me explain to you what the destination disease is. The destination disease is that when someone thinks that they could always be happier someplace else, that if they could just get to another location, another place within their life, then all of their problems would be solved and they would all be happy. And folks, I'm telling you, today it's just as bad. That disease racks us just as much today as it did back in Paul's time. That if I can finally get to that place in my life, then all my problems would be solved. Wanda Sue and me was talking about this, and you know, she, she even admitted to herself that we all fight with this problem. We all fight with the issue of thinking, boy, if I can just get out of my circumstances and get into another set of circumstances, if I can reach that destination, all will be fine. If I can, if I can get that new job and get that extra money, my problems will be solved. If I can get out of this marriage and dump this old skunk that I'm married to, then I'll find that prince that I've always been looking for. Huh? Been talking with Tonda. Yeah. I've intercepted y'all. Yeah, I've intercepted her text. Yeah, if I can just get out of here. You know, even, even if, I could, if I could get over this illness, if I could get over this malady, this physical malady that I have and finally get well, then, then, then my life is going to be different. Folks, all of those are just part of the destination disease. We are placing our happiness and we're placing our contentment on circumstances. And folks, this is a matter that has affected all of us. And the Apostle Paul is addressing the church of Philippi, which I believe he's really speaking to them. He, he's not so much speaking to them. He's just talking about his state of being because I think today he may have written this just for you and me. 
that we can address this issue that, that affects us so much. Folks, your happiness is not going to be found in a change of address. It's not going to be changed in a set of circumstances. It's going to be changed within you. And that's what I want us to speak about. I want us to take this idea today of of if we're really going to be happy in Christ, if we're going to really enjoy the joy of our salvation, we need to address this matter. We need to look at at the contentment that we can have in Christ and in Christ alone. And look what Paul says. I think it's so very interesting. He says, you know, he says, I'm so joyful because you all have ministered to me. And again, we'll address that next week. But but listen to what he says in verse 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want or need for myself. For I've learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And so the first thing that we see the Apostle Paul is speaking of right here, he's speaking of that, uh, uh, that, that, con- that contentment is a reality. And it can be enjoyed by all. Now, when he uses the word contentment, it, it means that there's, a, there's an inward self-sufficiency, and we're going to find out later where that comes from, is that it's not dependent on outside circumstances. You see, the problem with most of us, and the problem with the destination disease is we base our contentment, we base our happiness, we base our circumstances on the things that are outside of us. Paul says, no, my contentment is found inside of me. And so therefore, it's available for all of us. Because Paul has access, or you have access to exactly the same thing Paul has. And so understand it, that contentment is a reality. And it can be experienced by all. You may say, Pastor, that's crazy. You don't know the situation that I'm in. You don't know the struggles that I face. Now, maybe I don't. But I can tell you this by the Word of God. Your contentment and your joy is not based on your circumstances. It's based in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's the very word that is being, it's that inward self-sufficiency we're going to find in a minute where that comes from. It's a reality. It's something that you can hold on to. It's something that you yourself can experience. Just think about it. And as, as I stopped and, 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 and I thought about what Paul was saying and this whole idea of contentment, I just wrote these words. Contentment is that state of being whereby I am happy regardless of the circumstances of my life, whether they be rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy, surrounded by friends or alone, a celebrity or a nobody, appreciated or rejected, contentment simply means I can be happy in any circumstance in life. And so where does that place you and me? See, contentment is not affected by whether you have a good job or not, or whether you're healthy or whether you're not, whether you are, are married to a nagging wife or not. I got on the guys a while ago. I get on the wife, you know, the, the guys, I get on get one. It's not affected by that. 
It's not affected by outside circumstances, not whether you're healthy or, 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 or whether you're very sick. Contentment is, is, is that you can find, no matter what circumstance you're in, a place that you can be happy. Folks, isn't that where you want to go? Isn't that where you want to be? It's, it's available to all of us. But let's look what Paul continues to say. As, as, as we look in, at this, that, that wh- where does the problem come? Why am I always so unsatisfied? Why am I always wanting more? Why am I, I, I'm not happy within that job? Why am I not happy within that, within that marriage? Why am I not happy with that, that, that car I, I so wanted? And I thought, of, and I'm thinking about myself that, that when the first time I'd saved up my money and, I, and there was an old, old Nova that had, the, boy, it was, it was power everything. It's right, this power right here, folks. Had air conditioning, you rolled them both down. It was just a plain base car. And I thought, if I could get that car, I'd never want another car in my whole life. But it wasn't long after I got my car. Had a 307, three-speed, topped out at 92 mile an hour. I know that for a fact. That's as good as it could go. I even put me a rush muffler on there to make it sound a little bit better, you know. And um, I was bad. It wasn't long after I got that Nova. And all my buddies, you know, driving around in their air-conditioned cars. And, heck, they could outrun me in reverse. And I wasn't content with that thing anymore. I had to have something else. Why? Why? Because I was seeking my happiness on something outside of myself. You see, folks, you're the same way. You know, why do we get the house of our dreams only want another house when we see other people move to another neighborhood? You see, the problem is, is we get confused between needs and wants. And that's what Paul was saying. You see, the great obstacle, the great obstacle of false need is what keeps us from contentment. One's idea, and I only put need in your, your, but it's false need, is the greatest obstacle to enjoying a life of contentment. See, Paul said these words. Paul wrote, not that I speak in respect of want, or not that I speak in respect of need. He says, I'm happy that you're helping me out because what, what he's saying is because I know the blessings you'll receive because you're helping me out. But I'm not saying that because I have any need. Now, the interesting about that, if anybody had need, it was the Apostle Paul. Paul was in prison. Paul was under the, 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 the authority of the Roman guard. And and you'd think if anybody would say, look at my great need, and I need your help, it would be the Apostle Paul. But Paul is saying, not that I speak in respect of need. The problem that we all face is we get terribly confused between what real need is and want. 
Because in, 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 in reality, the only physical things that we really need is we need food, we need clothing, and we need shelter. Now, let me tell you, kids, if mom and dad gives you food and clothing and shelter and Jesus Christ, that's all you deserve. That's all they're required. They don't have to give you the, the latest uh, cell phone or the latest PlayStation. They only, they, their responsibility is to provide your basic needs for you. But the problem is, is, is even though we have all these wants as children, we grow up into adults and we have bigger wants. And isn't it amazing today that we think a cell phone is a need? As a matter of fact, our country apparently does. They, they give them away to everyone. Heck, there's some of you that, 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 that grew up in a time there was no telephones at all, you know, or maybe there's only one in a community. When I grew up, it was party line. Do you remember that? You know, everybody had an old sister. What was her name that, that, that always intercepted your phone calls, wasn't it, Michael? Yeah, there's always an old sister that always poke you in your party line wanting to listen to all, all the business out there. <laughs> now, you wasn't one of those sisters, were you? <laughs> but what I'm saying today, we think, it's, we think it's a need that we all have cell phones. And folks, cell phones hadn't even been around the last 15 years. But we, we allow the merchandising of the world to, to turn, turn wants into needs for us. And, and we're, all, we're all prone to that. And so therefore we get confused of what is a real need other than a want. And what happens when, when that occurs, then we begin to lose that contentment. Because I won't, won't, want more. You know, so many times in our marriages, you know, we sit around, we watch the romantic movies and read the romantic novels and hear all the lies that are, that, that are told by our friends out there and we develop a, a perfect idea of a husband within our mind and guess what, when we don't get him, he's not that nodding, shining armor and you're ready to dish him, he may be a hard worker. He's just not meeting all of your needs. And so you're ready to cash him in for somebody else. Folks, we have to get this idea of need back into reality. Here is Paul sitting in a prison and saying, not that I speak in respect of need. He's saying, I have everything I need. <laughs> the Roman government's providing a place for me to sleep. They're providing me some meals that ain't much. They got a few clothes on my back. And I have Jesus. Not that I speak in respect of need. That is so important for us to grasp that we need to come back into reality. What is the real needs within my life? I absolutely love what A.W. Tozer says when he says, 
The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. John Piper says in a little different way when he says, when we have Jesus, we have everything. That when you break it down, what is our greatest need? Our greatest need is Jesus Christ. Our greatest need is that which, which will come and will meet all the needs, all the wants that we would have. I read a story about Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a great missionary that, that opened actually China in the great China um, Inland Mission. And during his time in China, he was facing tremendous financial struggles within, within his ministry. And they said he would, he would pray for a while, and he'd go on his books, and he'd work for a while. He'd go back and pray for a while, and he'd come back and worked on his books for a while. And, and he would pray for a while and come back to his books for a while. And, and, um, and his wife came to him finally, and, and his wife says, what are we going to do? And I love these words by Hudson Taylor when he says, we have 27 cents and all the promises of God. What more do we need? I like that, don't you? You know, I've got 27 cents in my name, but guess what? I've got the promises of God. What else do I need? I'm telling you, if we can come into that frame of mind that, that it's not based upon the outward circumstances, it's based upon who we are in Christ. So I think that each of us needs to stop and reevaluate, reevaluate in our own lives. What do I consider the real needs within my life? I, know, I remember years ago when I was working with some mission boys and, and what was a group called Royal Ambassadors, there was, a, there, was a, there was an article that really intrigued me that, that the article was how to live off $100 a year. And see, for, for you and me, and this was, this, was back, this was back 30 years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago, so even now the economy's changed even that much more. But even back then, 30 years ago, and, and our concept in America, how can anyone live off of $100 a year? But it was amazing what they began to do is take things away. You know, if I only have $100 a year, I can't, I can't own a car, so I don't have to buy gas. And, and if I don't have a car, I don't need a, I don't need a two-car garage, and so I, I limit the size of my house. If I only have $100 a year, then then, you know, I've got to reduce my house because I can't pay for the electricity. You just, you keep reducing things down to the very, very basics. Folks, there's people all over the world that lives off $100 a year today. I think this is one of the major problems, and, and, and I want you to hear me very well here, especially for, for you if, you if you haven't done any missions. I think this is one of the great problems within missions. I've seen this within, you know, within our own work. So many times when we go down to a foreign nation like Honduras or wherever, and we see people that are living off $100 a year. And within our mindset and the way that we, we confuse needs and wants, we think that we need to help those people out. We need to go down and, and, and give them some extra money. As a matter of fact, we can even help them bring them back here because everyone deserves to be in America, folks. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, Brother Willard? And, 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 and you know, we, because in our, we have a confused idea of what, what wants and needs are. But what we, what we tend to forget is those people are a lot more content than we are. 
I mean, they may live in a little mud house with a thatched roof that you can see through the sides. But they're a lot happier than we are. Because they are content where they are. And folks, that's a gift from God. Godliness with contentment is great gain, is what Paul writes to Timothy. And what we may do is we may begin to push our wants and begin to confuse um, them where what needs and wants are, and we begin to get them as confused as we are, and they lose their contentment. You have to be careful about that. Somebody that has much less than you may be very much happier than you because they've learned where true happiness comes from. And so, one of the greatest obstacles of contentment, contentment of this idea of false need, Paul says, I have no need. But let's just look at this in 4.11 through following. Let's look at the only place to find true contentment. It's in Christ. Paul writes, again, not that I speak in respect to want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in therewith to be content. He says, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. He says, I know how to have nothing, I know how to have riches. He says, everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Folks, it's only in Jesus Christ, only in Jesus Christ can we find contentment. I want you to look at verse 13. This is something that, again, I do not know over the years how how I miss this when when, when I've studied. How many times, and and I use it on some of my favorite, it's one of my favorite, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. As a matter of fact, if I pulled up and I sent you an email by um, my cell phone or my iPad, it would probably have that verse at the bottom. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But the, and remember, this passage deals with the area of contentment. It's not a passage you can just use to get anything you want. But what is so interesting here is I can do all things through Christ, that preposition through, which is a normal preposition in, in the original language, is dia, which means a passage through. That's not the preposition here. The preposition here is in, as the idea of in. It's, it's, and, and so what the real meaning is being said is I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I want you to think about the difference here. You see, when we read this passage, we, we think that through Christ, he's going to give me all the power I, do to, I need to do everything I have. But the passage is no. He says, no. The way that you'll have the power is when where? You are in Christ. Contentment, contentment, if it deals with location, it's a spiritual location, not a physical location. Am I in Christ or am I not? As a matter of fact, when you begin to think about that and understand that, when I am not contented, when I'm not satisfied, that tells me more about my spiritual condition rather than my circumstances. 
And so when, when I'm not satisfied with the world, or if I'm not even satisfied with the way, way God seems to be providing all my needs, the problem is, is I am not living in Christ. Because says, Paul says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Because I'm sitting in prison right now, and I'm in the will of the Lord, and, and I'm living in Christ, and I'm being fed in, in the person of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what's going on with me, I can find contentment. And so we need to stop and we need to examine ourselves because, again, our lack of contentment, again, tells us a lot less about our circumstances, about where we are spiritually within our lives. And, folks, that tells us a whole lot. You see, Paul says, when I'm in Christ, I can, I can be abased or I can abound. I can suffer or I can be doing well, but as long as I'm in Christ, I can be content. I think that's so neat. I think that's so powerful that for us to understand that, that this contentment is a spiritual condition. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just an overflow of where we are. And so we need to know the secret of true contentment. I think it's so very interesting. I think it's so very interesting is when Paul was writing these things, when he said these words, he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound and everywhere in all things that I am instructed both to be full and hungry. This is another amazing thing. Or from, some of you, you may read that I have learned these things. Some of your translation may, may have learned. This is an interesting word. It's the only time it's used in Scripture. It's, it's a word that, te- that deals with secret societies. And it's a word that, that deals with initiation rites, that, that when you're in a secret society and, and, and you're taught something, you know, I kind of I connected. I was in a secret society one time. I was part of the Gamma Rho chapter of the Theta Chi fraternity of Florida State University. Man, we were a wholesome group. And we were in... in, 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 in Gamma Rho of, of Theta Chi, all your, your fraternities and your sororities are, are, are secret societies, kind of like your Eastern Stars and your Masons. See, there's always been secret societies. And the thing about a secret society is what makes them secret is you've got to be a part of the, the society to learn their secrets. That's until you go through their initiation, they will not tell you their secrets. You see, what you all don't know that in Theta Chi, we had a secret handshake. And you've got to be a part of Theta Chi to learn that secret handshake. We even have a secret way to find out whether somebody is really a part of Theta Chi. I say, I can't tell you these things because I'd have to give my life. And so we had all these secrets, and, and boy, initiation was, 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 was that formal type of thing where, where, boy, everyone was dressed up and everything. You'd go through the initiation rites, they'd take you to different rooms, and every room they'll teach you a new secret. This is the word that's being used here. So let's stop and think about what's being said. Paul says, I've learned, I've been instructed these things. See, what's being said here is the only way that you can find true contentment is if you you have to be in the club. 
What club is he talking about? The Jesus Club. The only way that you can learn these things, you can't learn them otherwise than being in Christ. And so therefore, who teaches us these things? Jesus himself. It's when we go into his inner room, that when we go into the, to his place, that, that, that the, this is a, when he says, I have, I have been taught or I have learned these things, it's in a passive, and that means somebody else is doing the teaching. He's doing the teaching. And so the only way that I can, that when Paul says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me, I can do that because he's taught me the secrets to contentment. And so again, contentment is much more of a spiritual matter than a circumstantial matter. And folks, that's so important. Because when you are in Christ, and you go into his inner rooms, and he begins to teach you, and you're go- maybe you're going through some real struggles. Maybe you're a Hudson Taylor. God, I don't know how this is all going to figure out. He teaches you, listen, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to show my strength in your weakness. Folks, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Because that tells me when I'm in Christ, and in Christ alone, regardless of what circumstance I'm, whether I'm in a prison, like Paul, a political prisoner, I can still find contentment in Christ. If I might live on the backside of a mountain in Honduras, feed my, my children just a little bit of corn and sugar cane, I can find contentment in Christ. It's not based upon my physical address. It's based upon my spiritual address. And folks, I think this is so important for each of us to learn. We need to learn those secrets. Then we can begin to have that power that he speaks about. I can... He says, I can do all things. And again, he's speaking, I can be content in all things in Christ who strengthens me. He's the source of our power. And I want to close out with this. You see, living the life of contentment is a victorious life. Because no longer does the world have power over me? No longer does circumstances have power over me. There's nothing outside of me that can rob me of my contentment. There's nothing outside of me that can rob me of my joy because my joy is not based upon the outside. It's based upon the inside. Folks, that's victory. No longer am I bound by the expectations of others. No longer am I bound upon the wants of this world. No longer am I bound by the the advertisement that that keeps hitting me that that if you're going to be popular, you have to be like this. You have to wear these clothes. You have to drive these cars. You have to live in this location. I'm not bound by that anymore. That I'm free because my contentment is in Christ and in Christ alone. Folks, I'm going to just close with that. 
Because I think it speaks to every one of us. You know what the craziest thing was? Just, just being real to you. I'd studied on this the other night and sitting around and after I'd studied a little bit, I've been wanting me a new telephone. I got, a, I got an iPhone 4. Five year, three years ago, if I had an iPhone 4, you know, I, I'd have thought I'd, you know, I'd had the Cadillac of Cadillacs. But now I want even a 4S or a 5. It's got a better camera on it. Got a little better speed on it. So now how I buy my phones, I, I go to eBay. And, you know, I, I spent two hours searching eBay for the best deal. I, I, literally two hours looking at eBay, finding the best deals, bidding on some, and, and um, because I wanted a new phone. Then the Holy Spirit just slapped me. He, he, got, he got into my, my mess. He says, here, you're going to be preaching on contentment. <laughs> and you're not even satisfied with a phone that works just right, all right for you. There's things on the phone I don't even know how to use. I haven't even learned how to use my iPhone 4 yet, and I want a 4S or a 5. Amen. But, man, he convicted the fire out of me about that. Folks, I believe I'm not the only one that has to deal with that. <clears throat> Let's be honest. How much time do we spend that want to satisfy our wants rather than thanking God for what we have? I love what, as a matter of fact, a non-believer, but truth, truth, Socrates says, if a man is not content with what he has, he'll never be content for what he thinks he wants. Even if you get what you think you want, you're not going to be satisfied. Because contentment comes from the inside. And again, folks, when we have Jesus Christ, we have everything. Amen. What else do we need? And so I, I just challenge you today because I, I, this is such a practical lesson, but it's also a powerful lesson because it helps us understand the power of who Christ is and what Christ can. Folks, he, Christ alone should completely satisfy us. And, and we, need, we need to find contentment in that regardless of our circumstance. What, how, would that change, how would that change your life today if you could find your complete satisfaction in Jesus Christ? I believe it would just absolutely revolutionize most of our lives. You know, it might even be free up some money for, for, for some more giving out there, hadn't it? It freed up two hours for me for not having to, you know, I could, I could have done some Bible study or done something, you know, I could have done something else. I'm telling you, looking two hours on eBay for a cell phone is not real productive time. I could have used that for, in a better production. I could have redeemed the time. But folks, it would set a lot of us free. I think it would set most of us free here today if we could find our contentment in Christ, be satisfied in Christ, of what he's placed us, and then use that extra money or time or effort for his glory. Because if you're not content where you are, you're not going to be content where you think you want to go. Because contentment is inside. And it's only in Christ. I challenge you today, 
I challenge you today to examine yourself. If you're not satisfied, that does not speak of your circumstances. That speaks of your spiritual condition. I pray today that today you may need to come to the aisle and say, God, forgive me. I've gotten confused. I had to say that the other night, folks, over a, over a phone. It, it could be cars. It could be houses. It could be studies. It could be anything. But thank God he convicted me. And I think there's a lot of people today that says, Lord, I am wasting a lot of time and effort and worry on things that I don't really even need. I just want to be in Christ. I want to find my satisfaction in you. You may need to come and bring that to the altar today. You may be here today and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I, you know what? You can try everything in the world. Nothing's going to satisfy you like Jesus can. It may make you feel good for a while, but then guess what? You're going to have that destination disease. You're going to want something else. The only thing that can fill your needs is Jesus Christ because only Jesus died for you. I'm asking you to come to Jesus tonight. Come to Jesus. Let's take the Bible and introduce you to the person who loves you enough to die for you. Father, I love you. I pray that you'd bless our time. God, I just pray that God, you'd reveal yourself to our hearts. God, let your word just cut us where we need to be cut, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. I just pray today to God that there would be the courage that, that people would have to come and just to lead their, to leave their wants on the altar. And God, let them be set free and find their, find their peace in Jesus Christ. Bless our time in Christ's name. Amen.